Bokatov. We are um it is um today's daf is daf memhe forty five. We pick up on the bottom of the Mdalamskat. We just read the Mishnah of the la- first Mishnah of the last parak. We're moving to the, the final thing about things that are said Bakulashon and it is Egla Rufa, the recitation of the that the elders do um when they after the breaking of the neck of the uh, this calf for the uh, murderer that they for, uh, when, for this murdered victim that they cannot find. They don't know who the murderer was. Um, and we'll see some interesting ways in which at the end it will tie back to certain parallels with the Sota I mean obviously the first thing is, is that there's a question of doubt uh, in one case you sort of you know you don't know if the woman uh, uh, committed adultery here you know what happened and you don't know who it is who did it um, so anyway let's take a look now at the Gemara okay so it started by saying the mission started by saying Egla Rufa Yusei Belash and Kodesh and quoted a of which doesn't seem to have anything to do with the fact that it's said in Hebrew. So the Gemara says, three lines down in the wide line here, what is the Mishnah saying? How does the Pasuk have anything to do with the fact that you're saying it in Hebrew? Here's what it's saying. It says by the uh, sages, by the Egla Rufa, they shall respond and say, Our hands did not spill this blood. It says by the Levi'in, by the Brachos and Klolos of Har Grizim and Har Eva, which is one of the standard sources of things that are said in Hebrew, um, and the Levi'in shall respond and say, The same way there it's in Hebrew, as we know from previous discussions. So meaning the Mishnah really did not tell you the source that it's in Hebrew. That's some other source. It's the Anu Amaru. The Mishnah, quoting the Pasuk of Ki Matzei Halal, is really getting on to point number two. The Seder Egla Rufa Keta. Now, talking about an Egla Rufa, what is the procedure of the Egla Rufa? Ki Matzei Halal Ba'namal. Let's start looking at the Pasuk. If there is a corpse found on the ground, the Atuzik Enech the elders and the judges go out. Shlosha Mibesim HaGadosh Three from the central basin of Yerushalayim. So yes, it's true. The Mishnah really does not address the Lashon Hakodesh. It really is Egla Rufa Ketzad. What is the story with the Egla Rufa? Lashon Hakodesh is learned out from the pasuk of the Anu Vamaru. Okay, and now we turn therefore to the first issue in the Mishnah, which is it's 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 basin Hagadol representatives of the central court because it's Zikinecha v'Shoftecha. Later the Pesukim say that the Ziknecha Irahi, the elders of that city that is close. But first you have to measure and determine which is the closest city. So to remind you, the Pesukim say, V'yatu zekeinecha v'shoftechu madudu s'vivot ha'chalal, what's the Pesuk? Min harim asher s'vivot ha'chalal, or something, I can't remember the exact Pesuk. Anyway, it says that they, the elders, measure to the nearby cities, and they determine the nearby town, and then the elders of the nearby town come out, and they perform this whole ritual. Okay, so the el- so you first need central elders to determine the nearby town, and then you identify the nearby town, and then the elders of that town come. So the central elders are the Zikinecha Veshoftecha, not the Zikneha Ir, they are the ones from the Basin Hagato. Now, how many are there? So the Tanakhama said three, and Rabbi Yehuda said five. So let's see what that debate is. Rabbi Yehuda Omer Hamisha, five. Tanur Abaran, Vyatu Zikinecha Veshoftecha. Zikinecha, Shnayim, two. It's in the plural. Veshoftecha, Shnayim, two. The Ain Basin Shaku, you don't have a basin that's an even number because it's in order to represent a basin, it has to be a, uh, a 
an odd, you know, an odd number. There has to be a deciding vote. So even though they're not voting on anything here, or who knows, maybe there will be a debate which city was really closer. But anyway, even if it's not voting on anything for a base in, to be a model, a representative of a base in, it has to have that structure of an odd number. So you add one that's five. That's what Rabbi Yehuda said. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon, who is the Tanakam of our Mishnah, says no. We don't count Shoftach. We just say Zikanech is two. Vain basing Shakul, you don't have an even number. Masivan Alei Modechad, you add one Harei Kan Shlosha. Okay, so that's the debate of three and five. Now then, we ask the obvious question. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon, Nami Haksiva Shoftach. What does he do with the fact that it says the judge, the uh, you know the judges? Or um, so Hahu Mibayalei Lemiuchadim Shebishoftecha. Shoftecha is to tell you your special judges, meaning your, your you know, singular judges, meaning the ones from the base in Haggadol. So that word is not adding to the number, but it's identifying that it's the central judges, the ones from the base in Haggadol. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda learns that from Ziknei Zikinecha Nafka. The fact that it could have said Ziknei and it says Zikinecha, or it could have said Zikinim and it says Zikinecha, yours means your special ones, your your distinctive ones, the central, you know, the ones from the high court. So you don't need Shoftecha to tell you the high court. Rebbe Shimon. Now what does Rebbe Shimon do with the possessive of Zikinecha? Had it just written, written elders? I would have thought it meant like old people that you find in the marketplace. I would have thought it meant like judges. I would have thought it meant literally old people. So it says the possessive. Yours. There's something special about their status. Which means that they're judges. But I still wouldn't have known yet that they are from the base in Hagado. If it had adjusted Zikinecha so I would have known it meant judges, but I would have said Havim enough Yulos and Hedrik Tana. It would have been a smaller court because we're going to be Shoftecha. Tana, I mean, like a local basin. Uh, local, yeah, yeah. Meaning, yes, it's for like a, a tribe. It's not for or for, for for you know for a major city, but it's not for it's not the central basin. Right. Exactly, it's twenty three. It's not seventy one. Because we're going to be Shoftecha. So Zikinecha, the possessive means they're special that they're actually judges, and Shoftecha means they're your central judges. There's a base in Okay, but not to add to the number. Reb Yehuda, Nami So Reb Yehuda, we go, so now we're going to drop the idea that the Shoftecha tells you that it's uh, that it's an extra number because presumably he also needs to go two stages first to prove it doesn't just mean old people and then to prove it means the Sanhedrin. So Gemara says, you know what, you're right. He gets the Sanhedrin, the idea of Sanhedrin, not from Zikinecha. He gets the idea of Sanhedrin from this other pasuk, Ziknei Ha'ida, which is a pasuk when the Sanhedrin rules incorrectly and people follow them. And there it's the elders of the entire community. So clearly that's the main Beitin. So here he makes a Gzeira Shava. There it says Ziknei Ha'ida, and here it says Zikinecha. Okay? So therefore, that's how he knows it means the elders of the Beitin Agadol. And he has Shoftecha still extra to tell you two more. So the Gemara one says, one minute. So if that's true, the Gemara, he says, why not learn everything from that? What does that mean? So because over in Sanhedrin where it speaks about the um, the Egla Rufa and the Ziknei Ha'ida and that they actually have to bring the animal, not the Egla Rufa, excuse me, the Parhalam Dovah Shel Tzibur when the elders rule incorrectly and that people say 
in and they have to bring a special korban in Vayikra how many of the Beit Din HaGadol has to show up to the Beit HaMikdash to bring the korban so Rabbi Yehuda learns over there that you only need five you don't need the whole Beit Din HaGadol to show up so the Gemara is saying oh so if he learns Zikne 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 from Egla Rufa there then you don't need Shoftecha to tell you five right well, he was learning Zikneches too Shoftechas too but if you learn from that Zikne that we're talking about Beit HaGadol you should also learn five members of the Beit HaGadol because that's what we say there as well so learn everything from there why do you need so the Gemara says fine let's go back to what we were saying before we don't learn it out from there everybody agrees that the possessive tells you we're not talking about old guys we're talking about uh, you know Shoftim Shoftecha tells you you're talking about the ones from the Sanhedrin Hagado. you're not talking about a local based in so how does he get the five this Shoftecha Leminyana Okay, the extra vav, it just says ziknecha shoftecha. If it was really just because it actually makes a certain sense, right? You know, sometimes the Torah has two words without the vav that sort of like, you know, they're describing the same entity. So what it says, zikenecha shoftecha, would it mean you're zikenim, who are your shoftim? And that would have told me zikenim from the base in Agadol. The extra vav tells me to count the word shoftecha as a separate unit and to get me two more. This shoftecha leminyan of Rebbe Shimon vav lo mash malay, and Rebbe Shimon is not impressed by the Vav and therefore that's the whole debate okay so <laughs> Ella says Gemara top of Memheim and Aleph Ella Meata Yatsu Shnayim Umadidu Shnayim why don't we say Yatsu Zikneha Yatsu Zikneha Umadidu that they will go out and they will measure so why don't we say that those verbs actually also are in the plural so that should add two more Yatsu Shnayim Madu Shnayim so that gives you four more of course the funny thing is like what else is the Pasuk supposed to say if after says they go out and they measure can't say what's Vyetse I mean anyway so the Lord says why don't we say Hare Kantisha so Rebbe Yehuda Hare Kantisha so you add four more so that gets you nine for Rebbe Yehuda but says no. Ahumi Bayole, that you need it. I don't know why you don't just need it for her to tell you what it's telling you, but Lichitanya, like we teach in a Bratza. The Yatsu, they go out, only they, and they can't send messengers or, you know, representatives to do the measuring for them. Umadidu, they measure. Um even if it was like obvious that it was like right outside of a city, and there was no question which was the closest city, Hayumodidim. They would still measure. You have to do the measure even if you know there's a mitzvah to do the act of measuring okay so anyway that's how we learn now the yatsu madudu they have to do it personally they have to do the measuring even if they know and the zekenech shoftecha tells you either three or five five is that a technical use of the word mitzvah in other words if I were to count mitzvot I would have to count no I mean the whole idea the whole enterprise of counting is something in the time of the Rishonim or whatever the exactly time. yeah no but it means that it's a requirement um, okay Masnistan says our Mishnah is not like Rebbe Lezeb and Yaakov why not to time ton of brights Rebbe Lezeb and Yaakov Omer Zekenecha Zo Sanhedrin Shoftecha Zemelch V'Kohen Gadol so actually he says none, none of this three or five we're going to get this is a major enterprise here okay it's pretty powerful the idea you know it's already powerful the idea that in some local village there was a dead body that you're going to go to the main court of the land and have representatives of the main court of the land like what that means in terms of taking you know communal or national responsibility for such a thing right and here right so I mean it's a very you know powerful image and here he says not only that 
We're going to get all the leaders to take responsibility. Okay, the king, the Kohen Gadol, the political leader, you have the courts, the political leader, the religious leader, everybody is taking responsibility for how can this be that there was this, you know, uh, that, that, that there was this murder that occurred. Which is, by the way, also pretty funny if you think about it because it's not the fact that a murder occurs. The fact that a murder occurs, you deal with that locally. You, you send it to the local basin, you know, you have the, you have the, you know, you, you, know, you have the perpetrator, you execute him or whatever you do but somehow and I, you can help me understand this the fact that we don't know who it is I mean I guess the fact is not just that a murder was occurred but that we have to deal with the fact that we haven't resolved it you know that we have this gu- unresolved guilt about it right because we haven't been able to punish the right person right that has to be like a, something that's like at a national level dealing with that sense right and that's clearly what the ritual is about like you know if the Pazik says you know there will never really be atonement until the justice is meted out so what does it mean not just that this crime has occurred but that, it, that, 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 that atonement and justice has not been served so for him you don't just take the Sanhedrin you take all the leaders you take the political leader the religious leader so one minute so he says Melech so Shoftecha means the king. Obviously, that's the law of the land. He represents order. Which is interesting, because there you might think it identifies Shofet distinct from Kohanim, but nevertheless, he's saying Shoftecha is also the role of the Kohanim. So they're also about, you know, justice, maybe representing God's rule in that sense of law and justice. Um, but that the Kohen is also part of Shoftecha. And then the Gemara just asks a question, so if you have the king and the Kohen Gadol and the Sanhedrin, what do you mean by the Sanhedrin? Ibailu, Rabbi Lezeb and Yaakov and the Kohen Gadol, who the Pleiades, the only arguing about the king and the Kohen Gadol, of the Sanhedrin, when it comes to who constitutes the Sanhedrin, Ich Rabbi Yehuda, Ich Rabbi Shimon, he holds like Rabbi Yehuda or Rabbi Shimon, we're talking about three or five, we're not talking about the entire Sanhedrin. Or, since he just says, Zikeinecha Sanhedrin, and right, it sounds like maybe he means the whole Sanhedrin. He needs the whole Sanhedrin, which would be consistent with the idea. But he wants to get everybody taking ownership of this. So if you're going to get the king and the Kohen Gadol, maybe a rep- you're not just a representative of the Sanhedrin, maybe the entire Sanhedrin turns out. So, have you had a question? No, I'm just going to say, I think this is like a major, like the whole, I'm wondering, like why is this little niggling concern how you get three or how you get five? Mm-hmm. Because it's a major dispute when there's an anonymous death of a single human being. Right. Is it the localized problem of some obscure community, let's say? Right. Or is it a national crisis? Yeah. A national crisis that right. is a anonymous death of a single human being. Right. It's like a huge issue in so- the consciousness of social responsibility. Yeah. It's like a huge mockery. Yeah. Issue. No, I agree. I agree. And I think that obviously Rebelez Benyakov here, Benyakov is taking it obviously to the whole next level and if you think about it the SOTA situation is also something is unresolved and it's not addressed locally you know you have some little village somewhere in the middle of nowhere and they go to the central you know be- you know they get God involved in it right they go to the base on Mikdash so there's obviously a comparison here of like the unresolved nature of these things yes Jenna yeah, I was just going to say like the fear that goes along with that right of not knowing that there's a murderer somewhere in the midst oh that's a good point too it is. Like, right there's a murderer out there it's easier when it's like someone you don't know it's easier when it's like oh they're a bad guy and I can right, 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 right. When we don't know who it is, it's much scarier. That's a very interesting point, yeah. Um, 
Is it does it the uh, does the dead body have to show signs of of uh, being violently yes. murdered? Yeah, and we're going to get to that. Okay. Yeah, it might actually even be violently murdered in a particular way. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. Okay. There yeah. Have to be some kind of connection measurement and self and introspection in some way. Oh, the whole idea of measuring is a metaphor for yeah, yeah. taking stock of how yeah. did we allow this. Oh, that's a nice point. That's why the mitzvah of medida. Like until we were we were sloppy until now, and the whole idea of precision and taking right and taking stock or whatever. Like this happened maybe out of a certain degree of lack of attention. Right. That's a very nice point. Okay. So Gemara says like this. Um, okay. So now does Rebbe Lezben Yaakov say you need the entire Sanhedrin? So what's the story? So the Gemara says like this. Um, okay, uh, Amr of Yosef Tashma, come in here. And this is going to be an interesting analogy, or whatever, Limud. Matsan Zakeim Amre Abe Pagi. Now, we're going to another story about that involves the entire Sanhedrin, which is Zakeim Amre, right? When there's an elder who, um, who defies the ruling of the central court and goes ahead and he teaches and preaches and practices a halacha against the central court. And he's the Zakeim Amre and he's put to death. So let's say he finds the court not in their, the, the, you know, their, uh, the Lishkas Hagazis in their special, like, room in the base of Mikdash, but he finds them a Bay Pagi. Now, Bay Pagi, not exactly clear what those words mean. Rashi says it means somehow in the belt, like in the, in the, envi- like in the city of Yerushalayim, in the environs of the city, but not in their, uh, you know, not in their actual, um, official, official room, um, in the Beit Hamikdash. So he finds them elsewhere in Yerushalayim. Nimza, um, where were we? Uh, and he uh, rebelled against them, right? He gave his opinion, they disagreed with him, then he went back to his town and he preached his opinion and he taught people to do like his opinion. Okay, so he dis- the dispute occurred though not in the Lishka Sagazis. Maybe that would be considered a rebellion and he would be put to death. Like with the whole Pasuk of Zakim starts by going to this central court, to the place that God has chosen, and they will tell you what the law is. So to the place. The place determines. They have to be coming from their actual location in the Beit HaMikdash to have, to represent their full status as representing God's law so that the rebellion against them would be, you know, fully symbolically significant. Okay? So, the, so there, there, and then he goes home and he preaches against them. Specifically against the Lachti at the Rabbim. No, he's not doing the Lachti at He thinks he's being Matzik at the Rabbim. But the point is, he's defying their authority. He thinks they're wrong, they're sinners, they're mistreating teaching everybody. From the perspective of what the official teaching was. Yes, but I wouldn't say Lachti. I wouldn't say that's his purpose. Okay? Anyway, and the problem is also less that he's making people sin. The problem is more that he is defying and undermining their authority. That's the whole problem of the Zaki and Mamre. All right, so anyway, but it says, um, okay, to Nafikama. Now, how many people were, did he discover outside of the Lishka Sagazis that they, that they had this exchange? Okay, how many people left the Lishka Sagazis? Yes, a subset of them. Some of them, a minority of them. So, first of all, of course he's not a Zaki and 
Mamre. If he's only disagreeing with a with uh, with a subset of the Sanhedrin, maybe the rest of the Sanhedrin agrees with him. How does he know that this is the official ruling of the Sanhedrin? It's pretty funny because like who's saying that they're having their de- they're making their decision now? Maybe they're reporting the decision that had been made earlier. But anyway, if he's not disagreeing with the whole Sanhedrin, of course he's not a Zokin Mamre. So so Ella. Peter did not see Kulu. It must be that they all left, or at least the majority of them left. He has to be the only Havamina that he could be a Zaki Mamre is if he's debating the entire Sanhedrin, or at least the majority of the Sanhedrin. Ulamai, now we have to understand one minute what justified the entire Sanhedrin to leave their official room, you know, their official uh, chamber. If, you know, who knows, they're going out to see a movie. So, you're not allowed to leave your chamber, you know, in your official capacity I mean, at the end of the day, but you can't stop do it for a Dvar Rishos. Faksiv. Sareich agan ha-sohar. Al-yachsar ha-mazeg. Your navel is like a round goblet. The mixed wine shall not be lacking. Okay, so what does that mean? <laughs> so this is seen as a metaphor for the Sanhedrin. She'im nitzrach so we learn out somehow that this represents the Sanhedrin Rashi says because the idea of the round goblet is that the Sanhedrin would sit in like a semicircle right the moon shape the moon shape exactly so if that's true okay and um, and therefore if the first part refers to the Sanhedrin what does al yachsar hamazeg the mixed wine shall not be lacking mean if one of them had to go out for whatever reason are you allowed to leave if you're leaving behind you a 23 that at least represents the full authority of, of, a, of, of, of a high court you're not like the highest court is 71 but the full authority of a, like the court that could prosecute capital cases is 23 so if you're leaving behind 23 yotze, you can go out but if you're leaving behind less it's like walking out of a room you know and then there won't be a minion left behind if you leave out and there won't be 23 you can't go out now what does that have to do with al because they would mix wine a 1 to 3 ratio so 23 is about a third of 71 I mean you know whatever how we actually get to but it's close okay so um, round it down or something anyway so therefore we learn out that you can't have less than a third remains alright so if that's true if they were just going for Dvarish now I don't exactly understand the question so they went for Dvarish and they left 23 behind and there were still 40 what is it 48 of them Right, 48 of them. So anyway, I don't exactly understand why, why it says that they can't have gone out for a Dvar so All they had to have done was left 23 behind. So there's one part wine, three parts water? What? Yeah. Anyway, but maybe it's understanding that it wouldn't be enough for the Zakin Mamre to debate even the majority of the Sanhedrin. It's assuming the Zakin Mamre, even for there to be a Havamina, would have to debate the entire Sanhedrin. So anyway, how did they leave? Right? You can't, certainly the entire Sanhedrin can't leave for a Dvar Harishos. So how did they leave? But rather, you know, I got to tell you that, like, this is the type of thing like you would expect Tosus to discuss, and I have been meaning to mention it the last few days. You might have noticed that the Dapim are a lot bigger, like a lot more text on the Dapim because there's no Tosfos. And why there's no Tosfos, if you look back, I've been mentioning to say this, like on the bottom of Namalaf, of Mem, where was it, of Mem, Mem it says, Me'elu HaTosfos Lo Matzati Yoter, which means that, you know, what the publisher did, it wasn't that there was always, like, a predetermined Tosfos that went with a Gemara. 
there were different Tosos in like now there's a Tosos Harash and there's a Tosos Rebbein Peretz and you know there are these different Tosos in that emerged from different schools and he found a manuscript for the most complete or the best quality Tosos he could find and that's the one that was published with the you know with the Gemara which is why actually if you're interested to know on any given Mesechet which Tosos it is like from which school it is um, you uh, um, uh, what's his name um, the Urbach like Balei HaTosvot so the whole 90% of the book is all just discussing the schools of the Balei HaTosvot the personalities etc but he has a, a, par- a, a chapter at the end where he goes Mesechet by Mesechet and he identifies what is the school of that of the Baal HaTosvot of that Mesechet it's not the same across Mesechtot so anyway this publisher's manuscript ran out you know in the middle of this parrot so for the last few Dapim we don't have any Tosvos and we have bigger Dapim anyway so I don't exactly get why he couldn't say that he encountered 48 of them and they left 23 behind but some reason the Gemara is assuming that he had to encounter the entire Sanhedrin so the entire Sanhedrin could not have left Dvar HaRishos so why did they leave so every if you, um um, Ela Pita Lidvar Mitzvah. It must be that they left for a mitzvah purpose. What would be a mitzvah purpose they would leave for? So, Lamai, Lav Lemedidas Egla, Rebbe Elizabeth Ben Yaakov. Ah, it must be they went for the Egla roof, and that's the only mitzvah purpose we can think of for the Sanhedrin. So that shows you that according to Rebbe Elizabeth Ben Yaakov, you would need the entire Sanhedrin. Of course, the funny thing is, is that, like, so what? The Chachamim would not have that scenario of him encountering them outside. It would only be a scenario for Rebbe Elizabeth Ben Yaakov. But okay, that's what the wants to say, maybe we see that there is a position that they can, the entire Sanhedrin you need for Egla Rufa, that's the position of Rebbe Gleazer Ben Yaakov. So the Gemara says, Amalia Bay, no, no, that doesn't have to be the reason they left. You sometimes need a Sanhedrin to do other things, like maybe they went to expand the boundaries of Yerushalayim, or of the Azarah of the Beit HaMikdash, because in order to, you know, define the, the area of Kiddushah, you know, what is the Kiddushat of the of the Beit HaMikdash, what space is sanctified with the Kedusha of the Beit HaMikdash, what space is sanctified with the Kedusha Yushalayim, it comes through a ritual that involves the Sanhedrin. Now, I'm like, we don't have the Mishnah, you do not expand the city or the Azarot in the Beit HaMikdash, you need all 71 of them. So, we really do not know whether, according to Rabbi Lezabin Yaakov, you needed the entire Sanhedrin for the Egla Rufa, but now we actually have a Brighter that teaches it. Tani Kavasa Drav Yosef, we talked like Rav Yosef, Matzana Beit if the Zakin found the Sanhedrin outside of the base of Mikdash and he rebelled against them, so um, uh, now what's the example this Brayta says that they were outside the base of Mikdash? No, in Agalah's a wagon, right? Anyway, Egla, they left for the measuring of the gaff or to add to the city or the Azarot. Maybe that would be a rebellion and he'd be a Zakim Mamri. So, what this Brighta adds is it gives us the scenario that they left, that they left for the Egla Rufa. So, it doesn't mean that's the only scenario, but it gives it as a scenario. And the only one who now we have said is of that opinion that it makes sense, you know, who would say that is Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, which is very consistent with Rebbe Lezer ben Yaakov's position, right? Rebbe Lezer ben Yaakov wants the entire leadership to take ownership of this issue. So for him, it's the Kohen Gadol and the Melech, and for the Sanhedrin, not just a representative of the Sanhedrin, but the entire Sanhedrin. Yeah, just, yes. I'm sorry, really brief clarification. So in this Brita, Mitzahan 
he found them in session, right? In their place, in that... Yeah, it's not clear. Are they in session? Are they just standing around measuring and he's talking to them? So, but then what's the... There's something... Then, kugon shematsulim... What do you mean, kugon? in the chamber. It's like all together, but outside. Right. How did he find them outside of... The, what's the scenario that he found them? Not what's the scenario that he was rebelling. What's the scenario that he found them out, outside of... he was to... When he was rebelling against them? Yeah, I mean, his rebellion consists of him going back to his town right. and preaching. Right. But the exchange where he voiced his views and they overrode him... They were already in the lobby on their... Ways, exactly. Right? Exactly. Was he a member of the Sanhedrin? The rebellion Yeah, he could have been, or he could have been a minor. Well, he could have been a part of that, but he doesn't have to have been a member of the Sanhedrin. He could also be. Yeah, he could be right of that of that stature, but not a member. Yeah. Well, you see, yeah, the, 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 that is like a fantastic. What do you say? Like, yeah, he's like a yeah. Um, firemen when they want to go shopping or whatever yeah. it is that they all have to go. Oh, interesting. That's wonderful. <laughs> We're all going for ice cream. Okay. Oh, God, we did that yesterday. You're coming with us. All right, moving on. Okay. All right, very good. Okay, Nimsa Tamun now. So that's how many of the sun had been. Now we get to the scenarios which will call for the Aglarufa. So if he's found buried, Nimsa Tamun Bagal, buried under a pile of like brick of stone or suspended from a tree you know hanging from a tree you would not do it it has to be nofel ba'adama right he has to be um, like up on the ground and exposed so the Lema says must eat some who'd evil or upon unless there are missions rebuked and not the rebuttal it's a bad thing Charlie isn't here. Charlie's been learning, uh, you know, Zraim or whatever. He would really enjoy today's Afghan to discuss Omer. A good, uh, shikh, um, excuse me, um, you know, Shikha, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, what? Yeah, Shikha, right. We're not the Lekha part, but yeah, Shikha. So you forget a sheaf in the field. Prat, so what does that mean? Litamun. Let's say you forgot it, but you forgot it because it was buried under something. Something was buried under some some uh, straw. Was buried under a blanket. Is that considered shichcha? So Rabbi Yehuda says no. Basadeh means exposed. The chamimom means basadeh. No, it doesn't mean exposed. It means like even in the field, even like buried in the field. Lerabus is a tamun to include something buried. So it seems like our Mishnah that says that it says nofel basadeh. It has to be exposed. That seems to lack, link up with um, uh, with. Reb Yehuda, right? He says Basadem means visible and exposed. That's what he says by Shichcha. So the Gemara says, "I'm a Rab. A few of them are Rabbanon. No, it can even be the Rabbanon that say by Shichcha that it's that it can be buried. Here they would admit that it could be that it needs to be exposed. What's the difference? In each time we learn, we look at the Psukim contextually. There, here it says Ki Halal. If you find a corpse. So before I got to the word basadeh, what would my assumption have been? Wherever you find it, there's nothing limiting. I would have been very, very expansive. And then it adds the words ba'adama. I think I was saying basadeh, excuse me. Anyway, ba'adama on the ground. So that extra word, if I was already going to be inclusive, is coming to limit. That would say that if it's, it has to be exposed, and if it's not exposed, it doesn't, you don't apply these laws. So that's because I would have started broad, so the word badama narrows me. 
The Hasamin Yon is a Kra. There, the context is different. Dixiv, when you har- you know cut your har- you, you know your 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 harvesting your cutting in the field, omer you would forget a sheaf. So 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 the the word the forgetting is juxtaposed to the act of cutting of harvesting. So So the same way the cutting this, the, the the grain is exposed. So the word I would have interpreted it in a similar context that it's out in the open and it's exposed. So there I would have started narrow. I would have started to say only if it's exposed. And then it adds a word that must be coming to expand it. Okay, so the word or does not in itself mean exposed or buried. The question is it's understood to be being in contrast to what I would have assumed until I hit that word. So by the case of the, of the corpse I would have assumed broad the word narrows me. By the case of Shekha I would have assumed narrow the word broadens me. Okay, so um, now the Gemara says the Rabbi Huda Nami Tepeklei One minute. If the now if if the juxtaposition of forgetting and cutting and harvesting suggests that it's exposed, then why did Rabbi Yehuda need the word basadeh to tell you it has to be exposed? Right, we're talking about the Omer, the Shikha. Let him just say the fact that it's compared to the harvesting tells you it's exposed. Enachinami. You know what? You're right. He really didn't need the word basadeh. Everybody agrees that the pasuk there by Shikha starts with the idea of exposed because of the comparison to cutting, to harvesting. The el basadeh lamali. So then, why does what? Why does Rabbi Yudah need the word basadeh? What does that do for him once he already knows it means exposed? The rabbis say basadeh limits. It, 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 it tells you. Uh, I'm sorry. The rabbis say basadeh. Excuse me. Um, expands. It doesn't have to be exposed, even buried. But Rabbi Yehuda that says that says before I got to the word basadeh, I knew it had to be exposed and. He demands that it be exposed. What does he do with the word basadeh? So the Gemara says, "Ela basadeh lamli mi baile lerabos shichas kama." Let's say I don't forget a cut sheaf. Let's say I forget two cut, two cut some of the standing grain, standing grain, standing grain. Right. So it says the fact that it says means even if your shachachta was about basadecha even if your shachachta was about stuff that was still standing in the field that had not yet been harvested okay so that's what he does with it he does not use it to tell you that it can be even buried. So the Rabbanan, now the Gemara Rabbanan, Shichas Kamaminale, if the Rabbanan learn from the word Basadecha to tell you buried, where do they learn the word, the idea that, that if you forget standing grain, that's also part of the mitzvah? So Rabbanan, Shichas Kamaminalehu, Nafkalehu, Mikitik Tzircha Bisadecha, Rashi says the focus is on Bisadecha Veshachachta, meaning, I think, hold on, let me just double check Rashi. Uh, um, yeah, so they do it from the. Oh, actually, so what I said for Reb Yehuda was what the um, was what the uh, what do you call it? was what the uh, um, was what the was what the, was what Rashi is saying here is for the Rabbanon. And I'm actually losing track. Let's write some of this down. <laughs> too many, too many dress shows. Okay, so. What is it? Okay. Ki tiktsur tircha besadecha veshachachta. Veshachachta. 
Okay, so Rabbi Huda would say, so we so we said so we said Kitiksor and the Sadecha that that juxtaposition by itself, right? That this is the Gala, that's the Gala, you start with the idea of Galui. Okay? And Rabbi Yehuda says it has and the, so the Rabbanan say you start with Galui because it says Ktiercha. So the fact that it says Pisadecha tells you for the Rabbanan so before we started this Gisadecha, the Rabbanan would tell you that would tell you a filu tamun. Okay? That's what they do with Pisadecha. What does Reb Yehuda do? I should use different colors here. Okay, so that's what the Rabbanan do with it. What does Reb Yehuda do with Pisadecha? So Reb Yehuda does with Pisadecha. He said Pisadecha means... Reb Yehuda said Pisadecha. So Reb Yehuda says, Reb Yehuda says that it is Galui. He goes with the galui. It has to be exposed. So what he does with the pesadecha tells you shichaskama. Okay, that even if it's even if it's just pesadecha, even if the grain is just in your field and you know uh, and it's still standing, that also counts as shichacha. Where do the rabbanon get shichaskama from? They get it from um, from the juxtaposition. I said this before for Reb Yehuda, but this is what Rashi says for the Rabbanan. They get it for the juxtaposition of bisadecha vishachachta, meaning bisadecha tells you buried, but juxtaposing bisadecha vishachachta means that you forgot what was still bisadecha. So it's the juxtaposition that tells you shichachaskama. Okay. So now we got Chichas Kamba for the Rabbanan, the juxtaposition. We got it for Rabbi Yehuda, just the word Bisadecha. And uh, that's where they're debating. Okay, I don't know if you're keeping all that straight. Moving on. Okay, I don't know if I'm keeping it straight. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Um, so the Gemara says like this. For Rabbanan, Chichas Kamba Minalu, Nafgalumi, Kitikzor, Chichas Bisadecha, Vishachachta. For Rabbi Yehuda, what does Rabbi Yehuda do with the juxtaposition? Now that we're giving significance to this juxtaposition, what does Rabbi Yehuda do with it? For Rabbi Yehuda, Mibayu, Elichad, Rabbi Yavo, Rabbi Yavo teaches you. I'm Rabbi Lezer. I'm Rabbi Yavo. I'm Rabbi Lezer. Okay. Prat l'shetzafu umarin l'toch sadeh chesdei chaveiro. So he emphasizes the shichcha has to be b'sadecha. You have to forget something in your field, not in your friend's field. How would you forget in your friend's field? I bundled a sheaf. The wind came and blew the sheaf into your field. Okay. And now I forgot that it was in your field. I knew I was have to go and retrieve it or whatever it was. I forgot that it was in your field. Is that shichcha? So no, it has to be shachachta b'sadecha. You have to forget something in your field, not something in your friend's field. Okay, so that's what it's telling me. Not shichas kama. Okay, um, so l'tochstech l'ra pravo shetzafu minu tochstech haver rabbanan mi b'sadecha b'sadecha. It's the possessive b'sadecha. So the word sadeh tells you afilu tamun. Sadeh juxtaposed to v'shachachta tells you shichachas kama, that even if the forgetting was while it was still standing. And the possessive, your field, tells you only stuff that's in your field, not in your friend's field. And he doesn't make a big deal about the possessive v'sadecha. Fine, we worked it all out. But bottom line is, yes, it's a parallel debate by shichachah, does it have to be exposed or can it be buried? But it's maybe based on the context of that pasuk and you can't expect, assume that the debate they have by shichacha it's the, they would say the same positions when it would come to you know Egla Rufa each one is explained in the context of the appropriate pasuk okay and as we have by Egla Rufa we do not have any debating positions at least so far in our Mishnah all we, everybody agrees that it has to be exposed it can't be buried okay now the Gemara continues on the ground on the ground which we'll get to now the Gemara continues with the Reb Yehuda with the shichacha discussion. 
by Rebbe Yimya. Rebbe Yimya asks. Rebbe Yimya always likes asking these like uh, hair-splitting questions. So by Rebbe Yimya. Safu Omarin Batochs the Sedehu. Your chief did not fly into your friend's field. It's in your field, but it's not on the ground. This is similar to actually the Eglarufa question. You're like a guy hanging from the tree. So it's in your field, it's exposed, but it's not on the ground. It's, let's say, on top of a rock or on top of another sheaf. Does that become shechacha? Is it veshechachta bisadecha? Does it have to be on the ground? Okay, mahu. What's the halacha? Of your sadek is sadedami, it's in the airspace, so that's bisadecha. Olav kisadedami, you're no, bisadecha means it has to be on the ground of your field. Amalei Rav Kahana Rav Papi, so Rav Kahana said to Rav Papi, Amalei Rav Kahana Rav Zid, Tishot Lehmi to Rabbi Yavot, let's learn it out, our Rav Elezer, let's learn it out from this halacha we just taught about being in your friend's field. The Amar who says, Pratlishet Safu Omarim Latoch Stei Chavero, who excludes the case when your sheaf flew into your friend's field. The Chavero in, so if it's on top of something in your friend's field, you're exempt. Latoch Sadehu Lo, but if it was in your, it was, it was on top of something in your own field, you'd be Chayev. So the man says, no, that's not what we're talking about. When it says that they floated into your friend's field, do you think that the exemption is only if it's a sheaf on top of something else in your friend's field? Let's say your sheaf flew into your friend's field and it's on the ground. So do you think that wouldn't be exempt? Of course that would be exempt. It's not pisadech, it's not in your field. So the word there, tsofu, does not mean it's on top of something. That's not the point. The point is, it flew out of your field. Okay? It has to be your field. So when we say tsofu, the key is the word safu is not meaningful there even if it's just on the ground in your friend's field it's, you're exempt so why did you say it floated into your friend's field how else did it get to your friend's field unless like the wind blew it but it doesn't mean that it's suspended on something else it means it flew into your friend's field and now it's on the ground Okay, so you don't know what the halach would be if it's in your field and it's on top of something else. Right. Okay. So Tashma, come in here. Omer shechazik bo laholicho leir. You took a cold of a sheaf, and you were going to bring it to the to the to the to the town to sell it. Vinicho al gabi evin al gabi chaviro, and you were taking a break, and you put it on your friend's back. Um, or excuse me, my knife from back on it on a fellow on 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 a pair on another on another sheaf. I think it's another sheaf. Right, 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 right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know why I said that. On another sheaf, okay. Veshachacho, and then you forgot it. You put it down on top of another sheaf and then you went to take a coffee break and then you forgot it okay so what's the story uh, um, it's sort of like that Ibn Ezra about uh, so he quotes a Karite that says means his fellow shore so Ibn Ezra says I think the guy's name was Ben, ben Zuta Bilvat I think whatever the guy's name was anyway okay fine anyway so you put it on a fellow sheaf okay anyway he puts it on top of another sheaf okay so and then he forgot about it so what's the story is the top and then you so you also forgot about the bottom sheaf because now the bottom sheaf is buried okay so is which one of those is Shichacha so let's take a look okay V'shachacha Hatachton Shichacha V'elyon Eino Shichacha the bottom one is Shichacha 
Okay, because you forgot, genuinely forgot about it, but not the top. And we're assuming not the top because it is not on the ground. Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon ben Shimon, no, Shimon and Shechacha, they're both not. tamun, it's buried, right? That's what we've been discussing. So the bottom one is buried. And the top one, because it is suspended and floating. So everybody agrees the top one is not. They're debating whether there's an exemption of buried. That's what we saw, right? Whether there's an exemption of buried by Shechacha's debate. But they all agree the top one is not, presumably because it's not on the ground. It's floating. So the Gemara says, they're only debating the bottom one whether there's an exemption of buried the top one everybody says it's not presumably because it's only in the air it's not on the ground so that's a pretty good resolution but says no 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 there it's not because you took possession of it you picked up the sheaf in order to bring it to town so that's not forgetting it you already actually possessed it okay now you could say you always possess it it's your stuff but there's an assumption that once you actually take possession of it in that physical way it doesn't become shechacha after that fact okay and it has nothing to do with the fact that it's floating so the Gemara says so then if that's true why did he give the scenario that you put it on top of another sheath you could have even just put it down the real point of that teaching should have been once you took possession of it it can't be shechacha it's not because it's on top of something the Gemara says you're right we could have said that so why did we give the scenario that you put it on top of another sheath because we wanted to discuss the status of the bottom sheaf. Is the bottom sheaf considered tongue and is the bottom sheaf exempt? But for the top sheaf, it has nothing to do with the fact that it's on top. It just has to do with the fact that you took possession. So the says, one minute. If that's true, but what do you mean? But it says that the top is exempt because it is floating, because it's suspended. So it seems like that's the reason. It's a pretty good point. So the says, it's like it's floating. What does that mean? Right? She says, it's like you never put it down. It's like it's still in your hands. Once you took possession of it, it remains in your possession. Okay, that's a pretty weak read. You know, the simple sense is that it really is saying that the fact that it's off of the ground exempts it. But the Gemara has gotten out of that proof and said the exemption there is not based on the fact that it's off the ground. The exemption there is based on the fact that it is, you've taken possession. Again, the parallel, I should say, to Egla Rufa, Egla Rufa, we do know. If it's not on the ground, it's not, it's, you're, you know, you don't do the whole ritual, right? If the guy is hanging from a tree, you don't do the ritual. So the, both of these are parallel, the buried and the off the ground. But what we're exploring is, while we know that's exempt by the Aguarufa, we're exploring if that's exempt by Shechacha. Okay. on a rock, that's on the ground. Um... I don't know, that's a good question. What would count? Because here it's Basadeh. So a rock might not be Basadeh, but a rock might still be Ba'adama. I'm not sure exactly what the line would be. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. So we still don't know, so we still don't know the answer. But now we're going to sort of circle back to it. So Abayi said, and here's a, a statement that occurs a few times in the Gemara. I am feeling so good about myself and about my learning. I feel like Ben Azai, right? When he was in Tiberius and in the marketplaces and would be teaching Torah, and like anybody could challenge him, you know, I feel the same way, like, he's, I'm going to take on all challenges, ask me any question, okay, so, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, he says, uh, where's Rashi, Arani Kibbenazai, like 12 lines on the bottom, Yomechad HaYedaito Tzlula, he was feeling very good, Amarani Kambepumpadisa, Muchan Lahashiv L'davar L'shoel, V'omek HaBecharifas, I can answer, I can take on any question, Kibbenazai Sheyeh Harifa Doresh B'Shoke Tveria, alright, so now, you know, that's like a challenge, let's see if we can stop, him. All right. So, I'm going to So, one of the rabbis said, 
Here's a question I got for you. Now we're going to shift from the sheaths to the on top of one another to corpses. You have two corpses, one lying on top of another. Okay. Where, which, what, where do you measure from in terms of the Egla Rufa? Which corpse, uh, or if, I, if either or if both, have a status of the, uh, to, for the, doing the ritual of the Egla Rufa? Um, do you say mean bimino have tamun? Is the bottom one considered buried? Okay, why might it not be buried? Well, is being buried under another corpse considered buried? Okay, is mean bimino considered buried? And then the bottom one would not have the status for egla rufa. Umin, and how about the top one? Because we also know by egla rufa that you're exempt if something is suspended. Okay, so do you say that if it's under a corpse, it's still considered buried? But umin bimino lavitzap. But if you're on top of a corpse. It's not considered suspended. So maybe there's a different determination of the definition of buried and suspended if you're buried by a corpse or suspended by a corpse. Okay? So where do we say that way? So the top one would not be considered suspended. The top one would be considered on the ground. But the bottom one would not have a status. That would be considered buried. Or do you say, The reverse. Okay? That the top one is considered floating. The fact that it's on a corpse doesn't get it off out of that designation, but the bottom one is not considered buried because it's only buried under a corpse. Okay, and therefore we talked on mode. So the bottom one is the one with the status. Oh, Dioma, or do you say It's both considered buried and suspended. Lomi and neither of them have the status. No egla rufa. No And of course, he didn't give the fourth example, but Rashi fills in. Or it's both considered not buried and not and not suspended, and both of them are negla rufa. Two egla rufa. They may be from different cities. Maybe one corpse is closer to one city and the other to another. So Amale, okay, so that was the question. That was the stumper. So let's see what he was able to answer. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Do you measure from the head or from the tail? We're going to, that's coming up. It's coming up. Coming up. Coming up. Hold on, it's coming up. Okay, Tani Tua. So he said, we learned it. He's going to do it by analogy to the case of the sheath. You took hold of this sheath to bring it to the city. The top of the bottom one is Shechacha. So you see at least the idea that, okay, and the, top, and the bottom one is not. Now the bottom, the top one is not, maybe because of the idea that you took possession, but the bottom one, the first t- teaching is, is Shechacha. They're both not. The bottom is buried. The top one because it's floating. Now, so what they're debating is, is, is the top one, everybody agrees the top one is exempt. They're debating whether the bottom one is exempt. So what's that debate about? So the Gemara says, Tavrua, we're assuming the Hanitanai Krebihuda Sriyalahu. They both hold like Rebihuda, the Amar Besada Prat with Tamun. They both agree to the principle that buried by Shechcha is exempt. And if that's true, what are they debating? My love, Akamitsuki. This seems to be what they're debating. Whether buried under a similar object is considered buried. Okay, Demar Savar Min Bimino Havi Tamun. It is considered buried, even if it's buried under another sheath. Umar Savar Lo Havi Tamun. It's not buried. So, meaning, I don't know the answer to the question about the top one whether the top one on top of an, a similar object is considered floating or not because maybe the Omer case is not about floating the top one maybe it's about having taken possession but at least whether the bottom one is considered buried that seems to be this debate so I don't know what the Halach Lema'ita answer is but I can tell you that that seems to be this debate that they presumably both agree buried is exempt and they're debating whether it's considered buried so that's what he says that seems to be this debate so the Gemara says no low so the Mosh says, that's not necessarily true. 
I'll tell you that if they held both held like Rabbi Yehuda, the Taman was an exemption. Everybody would say that it is considered buried. Maybe they're disagreeing in the principle of whether buried is an exemption. The rabbis hold like the other rabbis that buried is considered is is not an exemption. And Rabbi Yehuda works out very nicely. He holds like his father, like Rabbi Yehuda, and holds that buried is an exemption. So meaning, is it true that there's somebody here that says buried under a similar thing is buried? Yes. That's Rabbi Yehuda's position. What is the other position? The other position might not be debating whether it's considered buried. The other position might be debating whether there's such an exemption of buried altogether when it comes to Shechacha. The Lord says, one minute. If that's true, that they're debating whether there's an exemption of buried, why give this scenario of under another sheaf? Just give a more simple case. Let's talk about under dirt. If you want to say there's no exemption of buried. You're right. To tell you there's no exemption of buried, we could have given a more extreme case. Even under dirt, it's not exempt. Why do we give the case of under a sheaf? To tell you the Kiddush of the one who says that there is an exemption of buried. Not only is there an exemption of buried, but even under a sheaf will still be considered buried. Okay? So bottom line is, there clearly is a position that Min Benino is Tamun. That's from Shimon Ben Yehuda. You don't know if the Chamin disagree with the definition of Tamun, or if they disagree with whether or not Tamun applies by Shechacha. Okay, let's just try to get to the Mishnah here. Okay, let's see if we can do it. Tanur Banan. Chalau, a corpse, Below and Chalal is understood to, to be like by sword, by Chalal Cherev, so Velo Chanuk, not just strangulated. Chalal, a corpse, Velo Mifarper Ba'adama, he has to be fully like laying still, not that he's still thrashing. Okay, Velo Tamun Begal, okay, I'm sorry, Velo Mifarper. Ba'adama on the ground, below tamun, not buried. Bagal under 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 a pile. Now fell, falling. Below talui bi'ilan, not suspended from a tree. Basadeh in the field. Below tsaf openemayim, not on the floating on water. The Belezromer, the kulan imhayu halal or fin. Actually, the only word that he cares about is halal. If it, it has to be an actual like corpse, presumably by a sword, that I'll agree with, he says. But these other things, like that it has to be, it can't be thrashing, or it has to be exposed, whatever that, I don't agree. Okay, once it's a halal, you would do it. I don't have these technical exemptions. Tanya, we're talking about I'm Rabbi Yossi Bar Yehuda. I'm a little Rabbi Lezer. They said to Rabbi Lezer, Look, you at least agree to the halal point. You would agree that if he was strangulated, and he was there on the garbage heap, that you would not do it no matter how horrific that would be you agree to the exemption of halal that it has to be by the sword strangulated you wouldn't mm-hmm. so therefore why don't you say the same thing about these issues about like buried and, and suspended why do you disagree with us there Alma explains the Gemara halal chanuk you agree to the dress of halal and not strangulated hachanami badama velo tamun velo tamun begal no fea velo talui bilan basade velo tzafagabimayim you should agree with us to the other dress out so the Rebbe we have the halal yuterexidim no he says, look, it says the word halal many, many times in that parsha. So that thrush I agree with. But the nofel, ba'adama, whatever, I don't give weight to that, that that's me making these technical exclusions. Okay? Let's just finish to the Mishnah. 
If it's near a, uh, a, a, a town on the border, or it's a ta- near a town that has a lot of, uh, that's, that, that's majority non-Jews, you would, uh, you would not do Egla Rufa. Why not? If you happen to find, as opposed to if it's very common. So if a border town, there's all constantly border skirmishes with a, you know, with a, with a, with a, with a belligerent country that you're bordering, there's going to be a lot of corpses. And the Gemara's assumption in terms of the non-Jews, you know, they were living under the Romans and so on, there was an assumption that there would be, unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of murders. Only Ir Sheinbo Bastin, or if it was next to a city without a Bastin, you wouldn't do it. To be in because the elders of the city have to come out. Zaleka. Now, then the final lane says, you only measure, when you measure to the nearby town, you don't go to the nearest town, any near town, you go to the nearest town that has a Bastin. So the Mercer Pita, obviously you go to the nearest town that has a basin. Keep in the tunnel the Irshane Bobastin, since you don't do it with a city without a basin, and you didn't be modi Bobastin. Obviously you only go to a town that has a basin. No, Hakamashmal and the teaching of Kitatanya. Let's say the closest town does not have a basin. You have two possibilities. You go to the closest town with a basin, or you don't do it all together. Right? right? So how do I know that I pass over that town? But I still do the Medida, I do Egla Rufa, but I just go to the city with the basin. How do you know that? Somehow the drusha of the Lakhu, I don't exactly get the drusha, but somehow it means that even if it's not the city that's closest, but it's the closest city with a basin, that is the city that participates in this ritual. Okay, we'll end with that. Which All your therapy is a little strange. Usually, like every individual word. Right. Yeah. And here it's just the majority, right? It says a lot. It also is funny, it also is funny because if the closest city is somehow supposed to be the city or the town, the one that's most likely to have had the murderer among them, then the fact that you go to the city with the basin, that doesn't mean that they're the most likely. They're the ones that can take responsibility that's for it the because they have a basin to symbolically take responsibility. Right. The issue is responsibility needs to be kept at the center, even if you can 